Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro with you on this Thursday, March 16th. And that's right, March Madness. It's underway. We have a tie game, West Virginia and Maryland at 28 apiece. Uh, we have Virginia on top of Furman, 17 to 10. And more games getting set to start here shortly. So we'll continue to update you uh, with the March Madness action. We'll also catch up with Mike Palm, VP of Operations with Circa Sports around 10.15 today. Plenty of other uh, NFL topics to get into, some NBA, and uh, we'll check in at the Valspar Championship on the PGA Tour as well. But as we typically do, let's uh, reset the scene here with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. ASU, their March Madness tournament run continues as they take on TCU on Friday. And as we go back to last night, was ASU's spectacular performance against Nevada a one-game thing or a sign of more good things to come the rest of the NCAA tournament? And one-game thing is out in front at 57% of the vote, sign of more to come sitting at 43%. 53 points in the first half, 68% shooting in the first half, 57% from behind the arc in the first half. 13 assists and one turnover in the first half, 12-0 in fast break, and actually points off turnovers in the first half, 22-4 to four points in the paint in the first half. That was spectacular. It was very spectacular. They just blitzed uh, Nevada, and they had no answer in response. Yeah, Nevada, uh, it was pretty obvious. One thing early is that the athleticism edge was uh, not even close. And we have mentioned frequently for the last few months that uh, – yeah, ASU may not make shots all the time, but uh, they're the most athletic team in the Pac-12, and I think one of the most athletic teams in the country. But uh, yeah, they certainly had a huge athleticism edge, and then they couldn't miss a shot. <laughs> so it's a bad combination for Nevada. We'll get into a little bit more of that here shortly, but first, uh, want to toss it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Do you approve of the Cardinals' seemingly passive approach to begin the offseason? The league year got underway officially yesterday at 1 o'clock local time. The masses are out in front on the no side of things at 60% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 40%. Yeah, I actually don't think this is terribly surprising that, uh, you know, that they basically, I think that there's, they're not going to come out and publicly tell you, but it sure looks like they're just starting from scratch here, basically, and rebuilding. And I actually think that's the right approach. I mean, they, they made a run at it and they that worked for, half of the 2021 season or so and uh things have fallen apart since then so you have a quarterback who you're paying for a long time was unfortunately going to start next season injured to begin with but other than that uh really i don't think there's too many uh, so-called whether you, you agree with kyler murray or not as being the building block and the quarterback of the future that's kind of where they're at right now starting with him 
And we will get into much more of that uh, in today's show and answer the question around 1130. Your calls today, if you'd like to join the show, 602-260-1060. We'll take those around 1030 and 1115. Back to ASU Hoops. They came out swinging from the start. They topped Nevada 98-73 to to advance to the tournament playing TCU on Friday. Some numbers. DJ Horn was on fire, 20 points, 7 of 10 from the floor, 4 of 5 from 3. Desmond Cambridge added 17 points while great with some great bench production as well. Neil, who normally averages about 4.5 points per game, he scored 16 and Luther Muhammad added 12 points. As a team here, 63.6% from the floor, 52.4% from three. The Sun Devils immediately ready to play this game from the start. They did have some trouble with zone a little bit, but they had built up a huge lead uh, that it was just really way too much for Nevada to overcome i'm glad you mentioned neil uh he's been really good here lately uh yeah he scored 16 as you mentioned he was six out of seven from the field yeah he has now scored at least nine points in three straight games and four of the last seven games you know he had some injury issues early in the season uh, and as uh he's been as i mentioned he's been really good here uh for several games running and also you know asu might be uh, close to 100% full strength. Uh, if uh, it looks like Austin Nunez, at least according to the broadcast last night, who has missed, he's been out now since February 18th with a concussion. Uh, he, uh, it looks like he's going to be available to play for the uh, game on Friday against TCU in Denver. And I think he's a very important player on their team. He's an excellent defender as far as the point guard position, pushes the ball. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they've got plenty of guys that want to shoot, and uh, he's more of a distributor and defender, and I think that's kind of what they need a little more of. So uh, here we go. When it comes to TCU as their next opponent, this morning ASU plus 5.5, TCU minus 5.5. Uh, TCU, as we chronicled here all season long, they struggled when they didn't have Mike Miles. His production, 17.3 points per game, 2.6 assists a game, 49.7% from the floor. TCU, though, now won't have Eddie Lampkin, who entered the portal on That's Monday. Yeah, uh, 20, nice, time, nice timing. Yeah, 24 games for him. He averaged 21.8 minutes per game, 6.3 points per game, and 5.9 rebounds. Uh, the big man not going to be playing for the Horned Frogs. Yeah, he's been now in the lineup with some injuries. I'm not sure what the deal is. I didn't even know that this happened until like you know, an hour ago. Uh, so we'll see. We're going to talk about TCU in the sports zone tomorrow at 9.15. We'll get more on that. At that point, TCU has not been a good road team. Uh, only three and seven in true road games this year. Uh, you know they lost some games in uh, November and December. They were shorthanded, and I believe Lampkin, in fact, missed a couple of those games. Uh, they lost a couple of games. They they have, quad, they have a quad four loss in there, and and all kinds of things. And I think one thing we learned from the tournament committee with the seeding process, they took bad losses into account and they punished teams that had bad losses or bad schedules. Uh, Texas A&M and TCU come to mind as teams that fall into that category. And uh, they, that was, I think, a bigger deal this year than before. You mentioned Mike Miles. He missed five games uh, at the end of January, first part of February. They were one in four in the games without him. And in addition to that, they averaged 11 points fewer per game when he did not play in those games. 
And one other quick thing about TCU is they lead the nation in fast break points per game, uh, you know, which is totally different. You know, Jamie Dixon used to be the coach at NAU back in the day, uh, but you know most of his pit teams were half court grinded out, and this team gets up and down, and uh, you know the, the tempo doesn't quite. That's another thing. The, the metrics. I love it when the metrics match the eye test. In this case, I don't think the metrics really match the eye test for me because it seems like TCU is just a frantic run up and down the floor team. And their tempo, uh, according to Ken Palm's 47th in the country, and I would have thought that had been much higher. The U of A gets their tournament started today. Princeton, 1.10 p.m. on TNT. U of A minus 14.5, Princeton plus 14.5. Yeah, Princeton's an interesting team. I mean, last year they really, I think a lot of teams, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of you know, big-time opponents that didn't really want to face Princeton if they made the NCAA tournament. Well, Princeton got to the conference finals in the Ivy League, and Yale uh, and Princeton have been the best two teams in that conference for a few years running now. And Yale beat Princeton last year, and Princeton ended up going to the NIT. Uh, and then basically the same players – uh, Princeton beat Yale last Sunday for the Ivy League championship, so they're in this thing. Uh, they are, they're a team that likes – they're not like the old Princeton teams, you know, that just uh, you know, pass the ball for 30 seconds and backdoor cut you to death and get layups. And, you know, the team that uh, Princeton beat UCLA uh, in the – I think it was 1996 or 97. I remember where I was watching that game at a Wrigleyville bar in Chicago – and uh, but they're totally different. I mean, they they like to get up and down the floor. They also have like nine guys that play a lot, so totally different. And the U of A wants to run, so I assume this is going to be an up tempo game when they start at one o'clock today. We'll make some room for Mike Palm, VP of Circa Sports, on the other side of the break. But something to keep in mind here, the tournament's going on, so it's time. Pick the winner of the basketball bonanza. Head on over to KDOS1060.com and enter the Basketball Blitz contest from Desert Diamond Casino West Valley. It's really simple. No brackets involved. Just pick the winner, and you go into one big pot for your chance at $2,000, courtesy of Desert Diamond Casino West valley it's a great opportunity to have some fun with the basketball blitz and be a big winner and while you're at it join desert diamond casino west valley to watch all the basketball games at winner's sports bar winner's sports bar is serving up great food and drinks surrounded by wall-to-wall screens plus arizona's best local sports book that's kdus1060.com select the winner two thousand dollars could be yours courtesy of desert diamond casino west valley it is the extra point here on kdus Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is Thursday. It is March 16th. The tournament is underway and we're popping on out to the KDOS hotline as we're joined by Mike Palm, Vice President of Operations with Circa Sports. Mike, it's Bob and Kayla. How are you? The madness has started. Oh, yes. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a long week. I mean, it's Super Bowl is really nothing compared to this. When you think you start last night with your ballroom set up and people come in and checking out your different venues, and then all the way through Sunday night, we've got our parties going at Stadium Swim and the book at Circa. 
in the Galaxy Ballroom at Circa, and here where I am in the Detroit Ballroom on the 12th floor of the D. Well, let's peel back the curtain a little bit for us here, if you can. So over at Circa Sports, the odds-on favorite to win the South is Alabama. Last I saw, plus 160. Houston to win the Midwest at plus 150. Kansas to win uh, the West at plus 370. And Purdue to win the East at plus 250. So as we are talking right now, the tournament has started. So what is the process like as games are being played, upsets happen, of price adjustment and odds movements on the board that you all go through yeah so things will change we'll take down like uh something depending on what the team is playing um and obviously we're taking action and that's moving the number as well i think houston got a little shorter there about uh plus 140 uh upsets are obviously going to play a big role in that it's interesting when you book these games and you come up with the initial number on sunday for these first round matchups and Really, Sunday and money. It's Monday. It's the professional money or the educated money mm-hmm. uh, coming in, and then starting. You know, last night and into today, so much public money from you know 400, 450,000 people coming to Las Vegas for March Madness. So there's sort of that sharpening of the number by midday on Monday, and then it moved just with volume the last two days. So, which teams? Uh, are there are a couple that come to mind that you have the most liability on already. I'll tell you what our top three are, and they really haven't changed over the last month. Our biggest liability is on UCLA, which is a little bit of a regional bias here. Our second biggest liability is Miami of Florida. And I tell you, I talked to different bookmakers, Tom Gable at the Borgata in New Jersey, other bookmakers here in town, Vinny Mayula at South Point. Miami's a top three liability for everybody. I think groups went around preseason when they were 200 to one with this team that Jim Laranega put together. Uh, and got some money down. And then uh, Houston, who's the favorite, which you never really mind the favorite being um, one of your biggest liabilities. Because throughout the course of the tournament, people are unlikely to continue to bet Houston. They'll look for more Cinderella stories and price, price shots. Having a conversation, Mike Palm, Vice President of Operations with Circa Sports right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. So help us out here. Uh, It's always much discussed, the 12 versus 5 matchups. So what is your particular strategy in these instances? And do you have any particular way that you're leaning with these Charleston versus SDSU, Oral Roberts versus Duke, VCU versus St. Mary's, and Drake versus Miami uh, upcoming here? I played Miami. I mean, Drake is really a trendy dog. It seems like everybody's playing Drake. I'm from Iowa. I've watched Drake play a lot, but it's it's it, it's one thing what they do in their conference there, uh, in in the Missouri Valley, and it's it's another thing when you go up against a team like Miami, who I thought was the best team in the ACC for most of the year. Another of those twelve match five matchups is Duke. I just added some Duke at twenty five to one. Jeez, from where they were as a bubble team two months ago to now. Mm. They're legitimately a top 10 team in the country the way they're playing. You could argue top five in the power rating. So I like Duke as well in this matchup. The other two I didn't play. My strategy more is in conferences and trying to fade certain conferences. I'll tell you, uh, the Mountain West has been a great fade for years. I think going back 16 years, the number is it's a Mountain West versus a power five conference is 72%, just blindly playing against the Mountain West. You and I looked terrible Nevada last night. I want to play Boise, but I, I can't because it's the Mountain West. I, I, I'm not 
big on Northwestern, but I'll pass on that game. The other thing, I think the Big Ten's a little bit overrated, too. I think a lot of teams were about the same, you know, um, but only Purdue really stood out. So I would look to fade the Mountain West in the Big Ten in, in, in most matchups. Yeah, Arizona and Arizona State. Uh, obviously, Arizona State revanche. You mentioned the Nevada game from last night. Uh, what's your take on those two teams and uh, any liability in the in the book uh, you know, with uh, Arizona? Yeah, there's a little bit. We got beat by them to the to the Pac-12 tournament because uh, you know people bet them. Once um, Clark went out for UCLA, so yeah. there's some liability. I mean, Arizona State looked great last night. They do have the win over Arizona uh, in Tucson, so they could be it could be a dangerous team. I mean, if they play like they do last night, uh, they'll be competitive with anybody. So we'll see if they can keep that momentum going off that big win over Nevada. Mike Palm, Vice President of Operations Circa Sports here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Points. So you're talking about all these extravagant things that you have going on this week. Uh, do you also then see this big uptick in more just brand recognition bets? Uh, because if you think about it, the casual person isn't really paying attention to college hoops all season long, really kind of get into it here in the month of March. And so the brand recognition schools, do they end up getting a lot of, of tickets put down on them here as all the festivities? get underway in the sense of future tickets yes i don't think in game by game i think everybody comes here loving and upset and you know and they, and they look to get on these teams like this Furman game going on with virginia right now and you're hearing the crowd go crazy as Furman's getting getting back into the game so <laughs> those things create more interest than say the other game the maryland west virginia game where those are two brand name schools uh, in, a, in a close spread, but not kind of the level of interest unless you're particularly for that school that these Cinderella stories have. I remember when Harvard beat New Mexico a few years ago. I mean, it, it, these ballrooms and these big cities just go up for grabs when those things are happening. You mentioned UCLA a couple times. You mentioned Jalen Clark's injury. You know, what's your personal take on them with his injury, and, and how's that maybe uh, altered uh, you know, what the handle is on UCLA? Yeah, I don't think they'll be heavily bet in the future. It's, it's tough, though, because somehow Cronin's kept this Final Four team together for three years, which is really unheard of. I mean, so many guys one and done or two and done, and he's kept this core team together. So, I mean, it's a veteran group. It's right for the tournament. They had Clark. I, I, I think they probably would have got a one seed. Um, not to say they didn't flatter themselves. They played well against Arizona in the final. They either team could have won that game. I think they're still live. The West is really interesting. Everybody's talking about Kansas. You know, Kansas, one would have thought if they won the Big 12, maybe they're overall number one again. They're defending national champions, yet the consensus is, and, and Kayla read off the, the regional odds, they're by far the most vulnerable um, of the four of the four number one seeds. I'm looking forward to it. We're really blessed here. We're going to extend this madness another weekend because we've got, uh, we've got the regional at T-Mobile this year the west regional right here in las vegas so we could we could have a you know if it matches up right we don't have any big upsets you could have the gonzaga ucla type game kansas there as well and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to the regional i get to fly out to des moines tomorrow morning i'm hosting a suite at wells fargo for the second round game to des moines with our circuit sports partner in iowa wild road so you know kansas is there texas is there uh, illinois is there there's uh, texas a&m's there uh, there's some great teams I'm hoping to see on Saturday afternoon in Des Moines. 
busy Mike Palm, Vice President of Operations with Circus Sports. Uh, so you mentioned it there. Right now going on the round of 64, round of 32 this weekend, and Circus Sports will be buzzing. But for the city of Vegas, you're getting the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. So what does Circus Sports have planned for this weekend and next weekend? Yeah, so for the first time, we're going to continue our free watch party at the Galaxy Ballroom there at Circa for next weekend as well, Thursday and Saturday with the, the West Regional here. We'll do it all four days, but obviously expect the bigger crowds on Thursday and Saturday. And the Book and Stadium Swim will continue, you know, to take bookings for uh, for folks to come in. Obviously, these are evening games on Thursday, Friday with, you know, 4 o'clock Pacific start. So they're half-day bookings as opposed uh, to full bookies, and we hope it gets a little bit warmer. Not not awful, but in the in the mid to upper 60s here, we're used to lower 80s this time of year for for stadium swim. People more likely to get in the pool, although the, those pools are heated up to 92, 94 degrees. So uh, it's always comfortable out there. I, I tell you, I look. I'm shocked at the hotel rates. You know, I, I always encourage people to come conference tournament week because the hotel rates and the availability of getting to the book or stadium swim better. The hotel rates next weekend for the Sweet 16 and the regionals are just as high as they are yesterday, today, and and tomorrow here this week. So there's going to be a lot of demand uh, created by this regional. Uh, speaking of the regional, I'm curious, you know, how much handle do you expect? Do you expect an increase in handle because the regional is there? I know the NCAA tournament is a high volume anyway. It is, but now you're going to have four fan bases coming in, especially on Thursday, uh, staying in town and, you know, that may be staying at one of our properties, but definitely pouring money into the market uh, here, especially if they come from states uh, with no legal wagering. So uh, they'll turn out and, you know, you'll get six, 7,000 people from those schools. So add another very uh, partisan and interested uh, 20,000 people to the mix. And I would, I would make it a heavy favorite that the West Regional Games have the most handle. I mean, I would make that like minus $3. Uh, coming next weekend. Mike, explain this to our listeners here and how it all works in Las Vegas. Uh, can they download the Cir- Circa Sports app and then therefore get the Circa Sports odds when they are in Vegas and they don't actually have to be on property yeah. the whole time? Yeah, you can you can get the, the app and see the odds whether you're within the state or not. But to wager, you have to be in the boundaries, you know, it's geofence in Nevada. I suggest people, even if they're coming for the weekend, get the app and and fund the app because especially with the end game wagering, it's become a bigger, bigger part of, of everyone's portfolio. It's too hard with the lines that March Men is to stand at the window and try to bet end game at the commercials, right? You got to have it on your phone because you have a finite window of two and a half to three minutes to get your bet in. And if there's three people ahead of you at the window, you got no shot. Fund the app. You know, you're heading out of town on Monday or Sunday, withdraw the funds. It's, it, it, it's very simple in and out. So, the app is just such a convenient way. I never bet on an app. I always walked around with three to five thousand dollars in my pocket, and then the pandemic hit and the books were closed, and you couldn't bet other than on the app. And I remember opening my first account and making a it was a curbside deposit because we were we were in lockdown, uh, and now I wouldn't do anything else but the app. Yeah, the, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the, the wagering around the country in you know, many states, including Arizona, now has legalized sports gambling. How much is that affected the handle in Las Vegas, or you know, how's that worked out? Do you think it continues to grow just like when the riverboats came in Mississippi and Iowa? And I said, Oh, it's the end of Vegas. It's not because it's still a destination and it provides a training ground, not just for individuals to gamble and gives them access and into the market, and then they come to Vegas because of their vacations, but it also helps to train 
more people around the country to work in these environments so that if one day they want to come and work in Las Vegas, um, there's more of a workforce for it. It, 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 it helps. It supports uh, Las Vegas having these markets around the country. Mike Palm, Vice President of Operations with Circa Sports here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. All right, help us out. What are some couple plays for uh, later today? And then also, if you have anything for us for Friday. I, I uh, Like I said, I have Miami uh, of Florida going against the trendy dog uh, in, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the trendy dog in Drake um, later today. I'm trying to convince myself. Um, I'm from Iowa. I'm trying to convince myself to play against Iowa um, with Auburn. I think that's the play, but I might have to hold off on that. Those those were the plays. I bet this uh, first game over, but that's already gone, so that's not helpful to anybody. Um, tomorrow, uh, let's see. I have two plays in already tomorrow. I did uh, I did take FAU. I think this Florida Atlantic team is really good. Um, I watched them play in that Conference USA tournament. I mean, this team is 31-3. and three. UAB is good. It was flattered by the performance of the NIT. They're catching two against Memphis tomorrow night, a 6:20 Pacific time start. I bet FAU on the money line, and I took the two points. And um, I think it's a suspicious line that Indiana-Kent State. Indiana, a four seed, and they're only a four-and-a-half point favorite. I took Kent State in that matchup tomorrow night. Another part of the fade the Big Ten uh, philosophy for me. I hope you're right about that game because I'm on Kent State also. Um, last for last one for me, Mike. Uh, using your Iowa background, also, I'm curious to what you think of Iowa State, which is a team that's kind of driving me crazy. Um, you know, they were off to a great start, and I thought they well, the Big Twelve teams had kind of figured them out, and then they ended the season pretty well. So I'm confused. I like the matchup with Pitt. Because Pitt is not offensively dynamic. I think that's a grinded-out game that favors Iowa State. I think they can they will advance. They will advance there. Um, the thing with Iowa State, I call them a merry-go-round team. Pretty much where they're at at halftime is where they're going to stay because of their style of play. But sometimes with them, I like to just wait till halftime. And if they're up eight, I support a second-half play on them because they would be pretty protective of the lead with the defense. But when they get down six or eight, it's tough. Now, they did get down eight to Baylor, and they made that nice rally in the Big 12 tournament. But remember, three hours from Ames to Kansas City, they travel as well. The only team that has a better support in the Big 12 tournament every year in Kansas City than Iowa State is Kansas. So they won't have that advantage. They didn't get put in Des Moines. Iowa didn't get put in Des Moines. And no, they should be. They're not a top four seed, but they won't have that home court advantage like they had. But I do like them in the first round matchup with Pitt. Mike, as a busy person, thanks so much for taking some time with us and uh, have have a lot of fun, though, this week and next week with everything that's going on in circus sports and hosting uh, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight next weekend. Yeah, it's a fun weekend. I appreciate the time with you, Bob and Kayla. Thank you so much. Once again, he is Mike Palm, Vice President of Operations with Circus Sports. So he mentioned uh, Iowa there because he's from Iowa. Did you yes. know that Fran McCaffrey has never made it past the round of 32? Uh, yeah, I, probably not since last year when somebody brought that up. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not my favorite coach for Fran McCaffrey. I think he's a big, you know, he can coach some offense, but they're not interested in guarding anybody. Well, let me really quickly add West Virginia just suffered a really key injury in this game. They're up 34 31 at last look, as it's now 35 31. Uh, excuse me, well, Maryland's ahead 35 31. 
Matthews, who's been been hurt for some of the season, just went down with looks like a really bad shoulder injury for West Virginia. And I don't know if he's a quote their leading scorer, but he's without a doubt their best player. Furman made a comeback as well. Virginia leads 32-27 at half. Your turn if you'd like to join the program. We'll take the calls now. 602-260-1060. Talk to you in the next segment. 602-260-1060 is the number. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the all-new KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Thursday. It is March 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. So the big news in the baseball world took place last night. Not good news. No. Edwin Diaz, if you missed it here, he was helped off the field after celebrating the win for Puerto Rico. Diaz, just kind of watching the video, everything looked very innocuous. It looked very normal of how you typically see guys in a circle jumping around, excited that they've won the game. And then he went down and was needed help off the field. They got him a wheelchair and he was wheeled out. Jeff Passan here has now informed us as to what the diagnosis is for Edwin Diaz, and it's not good. He tore his patellar tendon in his right knee, and he will need surgery and is expected to miss the season. Yeah, I didn't know that Passion had confirmed that. I know there was an earlier report this morning. I forgot who the uh, who it was from at that point, but that's obviously uh, yeah, really a devastating blow to the Mets and yeah, we had some fun with Diaz and the trumpet player. What was oh, his name? Oh, it was name, great. Uh, 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 what was it? Tommy, Tommy Trumpet? trumpet? Tommy yes. Tommy Trumpet. There you go. As soon as I asked you, I remember it was Tommy Trumpet. It was something really original like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, uh, no joking aside, we should, you know, I should not make a joke about this. But uh, that's certainly, uh, it's a big deal for them. Ottavino, uh, I assume, becomes their closer now. They did get David Robertson in the offseason, and he's had some really good years. He's also had tons of injuries over the years. I would assume that's how they try to deal with the eighth and the ninth innings now. I'm in a fantasy league, well, a couple of leagues. We already had a draft in the mixed league, and you know, Diaz, uh, uh, you know, they, we thought as soon as we found out about this last night, my partner in that league uh, texted me, and we were going to try to get Ottavino. But by the time I texted him back, somebody had already gotten Ottavino. <laughs> so, unfortunately, it's a cutthroat business sometimes in the, the fantasy baseball world. And uh, you know, to try to find uh, try to find closers, and you know, Diaz was one of the highest priced closers in the league, obviously after his uh, stellar performance, really the last two years as the Mets closer. Uh, this also just being tweeted out from the Mets. They are confirming the uh, patellar tendon in his right knee tear. Also going on to say that he will have surgery today performed by Dr. David Atchek. 
So it is uh, being performed today, that surgery. So interesting just in general. I, I wonder uh, what the difference is between like ACL sometimes when you can't have it right away because you need to get the swelling down versus this having it, you know, the day after it takes place. I'm just, yeah. I don't I don't know the medical side of things. I just think that's kind of fascinating that sometimes it's better to do it right away and other times uh, it's not. Maybe it's a stabilization type thing. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm. Fortunately for me, I have no idea as far as that goes. And uh, you know, the Mets have not had a good week. You know, the Jose Quintana injury uh, from earlier in the week, and he was going to be one of their uh, you know fifth starter probably or fourth or fifth starter. And the fact that he's out until at least July, and they were actually happy that he's out until you know he's going to be back by July. Uh, so it's been a not a good uh, not a good week for the Mets so far. No, and uh, it, just to further along that unfortunate news here, Diaz last season he tossed 62 innings. He had a 1.31 ERA, and in the off season he ended up becoming the richest uh, closer contract to be signed in Major League Baseball history. Five years and 102 million, and yeah. now his his season is over before it gets started. So that's just really unfortunate for the Mets and what they're trying to put together and what they're trying to assemble yeah obviously you know, one reason that the closers you know a lot, a lot of relief pitchers don't give really long-term deals is because there's not many closers or relief pitchers that have long sustainable careers as far as high level consistency you know even the best sometimes they don't have there's not that many Kenley Jansons out there uh, I was going to say Craig Kimbrell but uh, he wasn't particularly good last year uh, so it's been, uh, you know, volatility for closer success is much different than it is as far as starting pitcher success. Obviously, injuries factor into both, but it seems like uh, there's not many closers that have, you know, really long-term success over a period of years. So the five-year thing, I think that that was, uh, you know, certainly I, I didn't necessarily disagree with the Mets doing that, but. You just kind of you know, raise your eyebrows a little bit whenever, I, at least I do, when I see a relief pitcher get you know, that kind of long-term deal no matter what the money is. Sticking with the World Baseball Classic, Team USA beat Columbia 3-2 to yesterday. Team USA will advance to the quarterfinals, which is set to take place in Miami. Merrill Kelly for the Diamondbacks got the start. It wasn't really smooth sailing, though. Three innings pitched, four hits, and two runs. And uh, for the the Team USA bats, it was Mike Trout. Three of four with three RBIs. Yeah, he had a triple, big triple in that game. And I actually watched a little bit of this game after the ASU game was over. I didn't watch a lot of it because, quite frankly, I you know, moved from my office chair to my lazy boy chair and uh, fell asleep watching the last inning and a half or so and woke up and uh, they are you know in celebration. They didn't do the... Uh, Fortunately for Team USA, they didn't have any uh, Edwin Diaz type things in the celebration, but uh, they were a happy bunch. And uh, uh, Mark DeRosa, who many, many believe is going to be a major league manager soon. In fact, I think he's actually interviewed for major league managerial positions in the past. He's the Team USA uh, manager. If they, I'm not sure if they actually called him a manager in the, the World Baseball Classic or whether he's like a captain or however they work that out. But he's running the show. I know that part. And, uh, you know, it, uh, like I said, he's he's been uh, thought about even when he was a player. Uh, I think that everybody kind of realized this dude's got managerial material. And he's really good at MLB Network. And 
uh, you know, as a, as a selfish baseball fan and watcher of MLB Network, and I can learn things from DeRosa. I kind of hope he stays in the announcing business, but this is probably not helping his chances to do that. Anyway, I assume he's going to be a major league manager next year somewhere. It's winding down the grand prize opportunity lunch for two to Porta subs for a year and 2023 spring training tickets to the D-backs versus Reds game on March 24th. It's a 110 start, two tickets and a parking pass. Here's what you have to do. Download the KDOS 1060 app. Apple and Android users are eligible. Listen every day for your chance to get one entry per day into the grand prize drawing and it's all happening on the kdos 1060 app once again that's the lunch for two to porta subs for a year and 2023 spring training tickets porta subs slicing up the quality you crave your favorite sliced fresh premium meats and cheeses on our signature fresh baked bread loaded with fresh veggie toppings and savory sauces get the taste you crave at your neighborhood port of subs i went to na- to my neighborhood port of subs over the weekend and had their uh, delicious italian sandwich on some white bread and uh the 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 sizes are so big that i had lunch for a couple of days so check them out at portofsubs.com west virginia opening up a lead here on maryland 44 to 38 with 1527 to go Virginia and Furman still at half, 32-27. And the other game that is just underway here is Missouri and Utah State. And Missouri's out on top 12-6 with 15-26 to go in the first half. Another one of those contrast-to-style games. And Missouri wants to play the fastest pace you can possibly play. Uh, They almost bait the opponent into scoring with their lack of defense, quite frankly. And they don't rebound particularly well. But they sure turn you over, and they turn those points into those turnovers into points frequently. Uh, Utah State, a team that definitely wants to play half court, uh, and as you heard Mike mention in the last uh, segment or earlier this hour, uh, the Mountain West Conference not good in this tournament. And uh, I'm not a big Utah State fan. I won some money betting against them against uh, I had San Diego State last Saturday, and uh, Utah State got off to a really good start in that game and. Uh, San Diego State just kind of wore them down and were way too athletic. And I like Missouri in this game, actually. It's weird. I only have three games today, and they're all underway as we speak. The first three (laughs) games of the day. Just by total coincidence, I don't get involved very often in first-round games. I usually try to uh, pretty much avoid them and get a little more of a sample. And plus, there's usually some more mismatches in those first-round games, and I don't get too crazy about that. But I just completely, I didn't even realize until this morning when the three games I like today and I've actually invested in are the first three games of the tournament. Well, you'll be on edge a little bit, right? Edge of your Hard seat, I should say. Hard, well, I am right now. Yes, so, yes, it's, uh, yeah, it's exciting. So there you go. Luckily, they're just small bets. I didn't get completely out of hand out of control, at least in my opinion. Wrapping up our number one is next. Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. up hour number one on this Thursday, March 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon, though, today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's take a breath here for a second and check into the PGA Tour Valspar Championship. Ryan Brem and Steven Yeager 
are your leaders in the clubhouse at five under par. Jordan Spieth, who started the tournament at 12 to 1 odds, he is in a tie for third at four under par. He is done for the day. The uh, tournament favorite heading in, Justin Thomas at 10 to 1. He shot two under par today. That's good enough for a tie for 10th. He had a bit of an up and down day. He got started off with uh, a par birdie birdie, and then he took a double bogey and then uh, was able to get it back to two under par. Sam Burns, who is looking for a three-peat, he shot two under par, and he's done for the day at uh, a tie for 10th. Our guy Adam Hadwin, he got off to a solid start as well. He's at two under par. There is a massive amount of people at two under par in this tie for 10th group. Uh, Two under par is tied for 10th, and then uh, one under par is tied for 21st. So a ton of guys are uh, in that two under range. Justin Rose, he is just getting his round underway. He is one under par through two holes. So we'll continue to monitor the PGA Championship here with the Valspar Championship as the guys go through the snake pit today. As for the Phoenix Suns, they are back on the court tonight hosting the Magic. And we had been talking about how they need to get some wins here without Kevin Durant as they've lost uh, three in a row without him. But in addition to that, uh, that potentially some of these matchups upcoming could have some tiebreaker implications just because of who they have remaining left on the schedule. But also, when we're trying to figure out how difficult this schedule is, uh, a group has put that number to to something. Uh, Tankathon has the Suns' remaining <laughs> schedule ranked seventh toughest. Yeah, Tankathon, what a name there. Um, I love it, love it. It's tremendous. <laughs> but yeah. uh, they have the Suns' remaining schedule ranked seventh toughest. If you have this to consider, uh, that there's seven games for the Suns between now and March 30th, which was the original re-evaluation date for Kevin Durant. Here's what they have. The Thunder, the Lakers, and the Jazz, and the Timberwolves, all of them are in the, the West, obviously, and are all within four games of the Suns as it is right now. They have the Kings as well, which... The Kings are ahead of the Suns, and they also have the Magic and the 76ers. Both of them are in the East. Well, with all due respect to Tankathon, I mean, I think it's kind of ridiculous to try to forecast who has the toughest schedule because you have no idea who's playing from game to game in the NBA. I do know one thing for sure. The Suns had a really good night last night, and the Suns didn't play last night. As the Warriors and the Clippers, two two of the teams that are closest to them, both lost last night. Obviously, the Clippers played the Warriors, so somebody had to win that game. And that was the first of the Warriors' five-game road trip. They're now 7-27 and 27 in the season. Uh, I'm not never quite bought into the Wolves' recent, quote, hot streak uh, recently. They're now 4-6 and six in their last 10, so they're not playing at a higher level anyway. So I would be really surprised. And, uh, you know, we talked uh, about the uh, Suns earlier during the sports zone today. It seems really unlikely, uh, considering hardly anybody in this conference below them is playing particularly well, uh, that anybody, that, that the Suns would not be, uh, I don't think they're going to get knocked into the play-in status of the, the one game and done, basically, and uh, think that, that would take a complete slide for that to happen. Orlando's really bad. Orlando's not even full strength tonight. They're not really good when they are full strength, so we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, they should be able to get a win tonight here and uh, get off the snide. They lost to Orlando the only time they played them this season, but that was a – that, remember, that was when they got snowed in or whatever. No, it was when they got to Florida, the weather, they had like a hurricane or something in Florida, right? It was like in November? All the way back in 2022. Yeah, in November. Yeah. And they had a tough time getting to Orlando. Uh, what do you make of this? James Jones had said last week that if the playoffs were today, that Kevin Durant would be playing and that possibly the timetable could be moved up for his revaluation. I would never move up the timetable. Just, uh, you know, I, you know, I mentioned last week when all that happened, uh, I don't really see any reason the Sun should play Durant before the playoffs. If they're, uh, you know, the, the season ends, well, I've got my dates mixed up now. It was the, 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 the Sunday, I forgot the dates. But the season, regular season ends on a Sunday and the playoffs, the first game for the Suns would not be until the first one would be as early as that next Saturday. So you got a week to get things together and whatever. If you can avoid him having to – the only way I would play him is if you absolutely are in a must-win situation to avoid being in the play-in tournament. Uh, That's the only way I would play. April 8th is that Sunday. Okay, so then it's like the 15th or 16th with the first game. of The the first time that they could play – the the following Saturday is the first game that they would have in the postseason – you know, every team has to play that first Saturday or Sunday, so that's when the first game would be, one of those two days. According to a report from The Athletic, the Memphis Grizzlies are going to make some changes to their travel arrangements, and when <laughs> they play in cities like Miami, they will leave immediately after the game. There will be no lingering. Oh, There's also some idea. additional accountability measures that the team will have to oh. follow through with. Okay. Yeah, yeah. guess that's part of... You know, Jai Morant, uh, Jay Morant's like his two-day rehab or whatever it was. Yeah, the the news yesterday suspended eight games without pay. Uh, that suspension coming from the NBA. He has obviously missed several games up until this point, and that's been coming from the Grizzlies side of things. We'll get into much more of the Extra Point March Madness underway. Uh, we'll also dive a little bit more into what moves the Arizona Cardinals have made and uh, a few other Cardinals directional items and today's poll questions. It's Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060.